Hey guys, Adam from Splendid Sports. I have with me here one of my old Beckett magazines. This is the issue from July 1987. I like to collect some of these, not all of them, but the ones that uh, I really like the cover, especially the ones that have a card on the cover and a vintage card. Because, you know, I was born in 1981. And the first place I saw pictures of vintage sports cards were from these magazines. There was a card store in my town. I didn't have any card shows nearby. I believe it or not, have still never been to a card show. I'll hopefully change that next year. But we used to go, the kids and me in the neighborhood, we used to go to the local card shop. Uh, you know, we would drag one of the parents in the neighborhood to drive us all there. And the store that we used to go to had a bunch of like a stack of old Beckett magazines. You know, they would sell the current issue when we were going there. But this one here, like from 1987, I remember this this issue, not the exact one. I bought this one on eBay a few years back. Um, you could get these for a few bucks. You know, they're very, very inexpensive on eBay. Uh, so I, I like to buy certain issues, this being one of my favorite ones. And, you know, the, there was a stack, the stack of like, we were probably going in in the late nine, late eighties and early nineties. So this was this was one from like a few years back, right? When so they had stacks from eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight. And I remember looking through this issue at the card store, and I remember going to the guy who owned the card store. He was kind of a grumpy guy, <laughs> but uh, I remember going, you know, what Willie Mays card is that? And he, I remember him being like, oh, it's the fifty eight. 58 Mays. I just, I was just amazed at that card. I just loved the way it looked. And uh, just not only this card, but there's other issues. In future videos, I'm going to show a couple other issues that I love the cards on the front. And, uh, you know, I made it a, a note at when I finally got some money 10 years or so back, and I could start buying some of these vintage cards that I always loved the images of when I was a kid, uh, this being one of them. I always made it a note to try to buy the ones that were on issues of Beckett's that I remember uh, and some of the issues that I, that I have. So, you know, I was able several years back, show them together here. Several years back, I was able to actually buy this one raw off of eBay because as you could probably see from, from a distance and through the camera here, it's got some nice eye appeal, nicely centered, great colors. And you might wonder, why did it get a three? So uh, like I said, I bought this one raw off of eBay and I got it graded, I think a few years ago, a couple years ago, maybe. And it came back a three. And I remember being like, at first looking at it thinking, man, it only got a three. I, I thought this thing would have gotten like a five or a six, but then when you turn the card, it's one of these, it's got a crease. It's got a crease. You can, you can't really see it, but um, when you tilt the card like this, it's got one of those creases in it that you can only see if you look at it from a certain angle. But from here, you know, as I look at it, it looks perfect. So um, I was happy to have this card. And even, even as a three has great eye appeal. Uh, if the crease is not that noticeable, I'm, I'm fine with it in a lot of cards. It doesn't even, go towards the back. So um, 
you know, I like to go through and, and um, I'll, I'll show some other issues in future videos where I was able to get the card as well. But there was a lot as I as I looked through this issue, there were a few points that I wanted to quickly mention here that uh, I thought were they raised a couple questions that I want to throw out to you out there. And maybe you could you could um, give me some feedback and you might have the answer that I'm looking for. Uh, but there was also some great insights and wisdom in these issues. Uh, if you if you ever if you're not someone who collects these or you know, just go go on eBay, look through some old issues and maybe find one from the 80s or whatever that you like the cover. And what's really cool about these is, is the nuggets of information in them. Just a couple quick things here from the owner's box on the beginning. Uh, th this here, this was from Jim Beckett. I still I listen to Jim Beckett's podcast, Doctor Beckett uh, Sports Card Insights. Might be one of my favorite podcasts. I love listening to it. It's like a, almost a daily podcast. But this was back in 1987. Uh, we hope to see many of you at the National Sports Collectors Convention held this year at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. It should be a great show. We're looking forward to it. Host promoter and sponsor Bob Lee promises the biggest national yet with superstars. Get this list. Hank Aaron, Ernie Banks, Joe DiMaggio, Bob Feller, Al Kaline, Eddie Matthews, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Duke Snyder, and Warren Spahn appearing in person. Uh, that would have been a nice one to go to. Any of you guys out there go to this one in San Francisco, 1987? That would have been a cool one to get some autographs at. And, you know, this one too. So this is one of the questions I have. Maybe you guys can help me. This was an collecting tips. And it's an article in there, Collecting Tips, by Don Loving. But, but this was from 1987. And Don says one of his quotes, he, he's talking about, uh, you know, factory sets versus, versus um, other sets that are collated, hand collated versus factory sets. But anyway, his quote was, please, let's not let grading get to the point where a card is no longer in mint condition if it's been touched. So that was curious to me because maybe you guys can tell me like in 1987, PSA didn't start till what, 1991? And SGC and Beckett weren't till like what, 98, 99? So this was like four, four years or so before PSA even started grading. In 1987, was card grading a thing? Uh, was there other people doing card grading. I don't really know what he, exactly what he's talking about there, but I thought it was interesting that it's in this issue. So you let me know on that. The other, other thing that was really cool in this book is on the next page, great cards, great moments. And there's a article in there talking about Ted Williams in 1941. And I remember being in a card shop in that card shop looking through this issue back in the, again, it must've been the either the late eighties, early nineties, looking through this old issue. And I remember reading this article about Ted Williams. And I remember looking at this card, the 1941 all-star hero card. And this article talks about, you know, in 1959 Flair issued an 80 card set covering Ted Williams career card. Number 18 captures his 1941 all-star appearance. And this was, Ted Williams talked about this after, many years after, 
And he says, you know, because he never won a World Series, he never really won anything in his baseball career other than, uh, you know, batting titles and all these awards. But he never won a World Series. But this hitting the game-winning home run in the 1941 All-Star game, there was it was a uh, trailing 5-3 to three in the bottom of the ninth. Leadoff man Frank Hayes popped out to second. But two singles and a walk loaded the bases. On an 0-2 count, Joe DiMaggio hit what looked like a game-ending double play to short. The force at second was made, but the pivot throw was wide. A first, DiMaggio was safe, a run scored, and the AL had new life, trailing 5-4. to four. So there were two outs, runners at the corners. Ted Williams came to bat. The game was in his hands. Williams worked the count to a 2-1 count, then stroked the next pitch almost on a line off the upper facade above the top deck in right field. It was a three-run game-winning home run, uh, which basically um, Ted Williams called one of the greatest, if not the greatest moment of his career for him personally. Uh, So all-star games were a lot bigger back then than they are now. So it might sound a little crazy, but uh, this was, was, um, you know, one of his big moments of his career, 1941, also the year that he batted 406. So he had a good year in 1941. Um, and again, I remember seeing this card and just, again, being amazed by these cards, seeing them for the first time. It's not like you can, you know, young guys now, they take it for granted, but you can see an image or you can go to card shows and see almost any card ever that you want in person or even on the internet. We would only hear about these players. We would hear stories from our dads and our you know, grandfathers about these players and just imagine things really was all in our, in our heads. And then we would get through these magazines. We would see pictures, pictures of the cards, pictures of the cards that we someday could only dream of having. And so the next card I want to show here is that exact card. This is that get a little better view there. This is that same exact, uh, card 1959 Fleer all-star hero number 18 and this one is in a gem mint 10 a 1959 Ted Williams card in gem mint condition crazy crazy that exists and believe it or not there's I think 12 gem mint copies in the pop report from PSA on this one so for whatever reason this set you know was um pretty did pretty well with the grading and and um there's, a, there's obviously 80 card set. There's other gem mint copies from other cards in the set. A lot of PSA nines. And because of that, these cards don't sell for the as high of prices as you might think. Probably because, there, again, there was 80 cards of Ted Williams in the whole set. Uh, so it dilutes it a little bit. Uh, but you know, and some of the cards are a little weird, him fishing and so forth. And um, But there's some really nice ones in there, too. And I think this is one of them about his uh, 1941 All-Star game. So I was able to pick this one up not that long ago, maybe a couple years, year and a half, I think, ago. Um, and, you know, it wasn't a cheap card, but for it to be a Gem Mint 10 1959 Ted Williams card, it is much lower of a, of a price card than I at least thought at first. So happy to have this one in my collection. And again, a card that when I was uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, in that card store, looking through this 
magazine, seeing the image of that. And then, you know, what is it? 35 years later to be able to have this card in my collection, Gem Mint. It's pretty cool. Uh, moving on here real quick. Page 18. Again, there's a lot of nuggets in these, but I thought this one was pretty uh, pretty funny to read. So there's a there's a readers a readers section where they write in with questions, comments, and then Beckett responds. I don't know if it was Jim Beckett responding or someone else. It, it probably this early on probably was Jim Beckett responding um, to these questions. But this one in particular, dear Beckett monthly. I find the changed attitude of kids in collecting today as compared to when I was a young collector in 1963 to 1970, disturbing. Back then, we knew nothing of organized, in quotes, collecting. We wanted to complete sets, which we did by buying as many nickel packs as we could and then trading among, our, among ourselves. Hopefully, we could complete the current series before the next one came out. If not, we could get scouting reports on the, other, on the stores in the other sections of town, which might still have the older series. We had a lot of fun and cared absolutely nothing about investments, future prices, rookie cards, etc. So this was back in a time where the rookie card was, you know, obviously popular, but it had an, a, the rookie card wasn't always a thing. From listening to the kids today, these things are all they talk about. They don't seem to know much about a player's stats or past history, only about what the price guide says about them. They would rather spend 35 cents on a, on a Robbie Thompson rookie card, in quotes, rookie card, than on a 1982 Topps Willie Stargell. And they spend the 35 cents on a single in-print card when an extra nickel could get them a 17-card wax pack. Rather than completing the set, which is so much easier in 1987 than it was in 1967, they'd rather spend $7 and 20 of these rookie quotes, rookie cards. He's upset that there's this new thing called the rookie card. I think we had more fun and comradeship when I was a kid. So, and then this is the answer from um, Beckett. And this guy, is his name was DM from Massachusetts. Beckett monthly says, don't sell today's youth short. It's true that times have changed but they haven't necessarily turned for the worse. We don't know how you quantify fun in comradeship, but our observations indicate that today's young and many older collectors too, derive that same pleasure we did, although the marketplace and modes of collecting have definitely been altered. So there, there's Beckett again with the, with the age old wisdom with that answer. Uh, but it's just funny because the parallels, the history repeats itself. I found myself even doing this now that, you know, I'm 41. Um, I, I find myself, oh, the co new collectors and the, the young kids now, they don't know what they're doing. You know, so you got, it's always, it's always that, right? It's always that um, you complain about the generation or the couple generations behind you and how they do things. And when we were, when we were young, we did it the right way. So it's just funny in 1987, that was happening. And it happens now. Um, so again, it's it, it. I just thought that was funny. And there's there's a bunch in here that again, if you if you haven't bought a few of these it, and you want to learn about the history of of the hobby, this is a great place to to go because it, it, it you'll get a, you'll get a laugh and a few kicks out of it too. And the last thing I wanted to share from this Beckett issue, 
is uh, is an article here, but basically I thought the quote was was nice. It says, um, it's by Richard West. A hobby, regardless of what it is, offers escape and diversion for the hobbyist. A diversion from the trials and tribulations of the real world. So again, it's um, you know something to something to remind ourselves. It's supposed to be fun. When you look on social media, I don't know. It seems like a large majority of the posts are people complaining, complaining about everything. <laughs> and is it, so? I guess the question is: Are you having fun? It's supposed to be fun. It's a hobby. Uh, so that that I think again, back in 1987. It was a quote in the issue, and I think it could apply today too. And before I go, lastly, you know, as I as I look through these and I just remember how much these Beckett price guides uh, really, for me, it was, yes, you'd look up how much your um, Ken Griffey Jr. cards were worth and, and so on. But for me, it was uh, also these articles, just looking through and learning about the hobby where we didn't have, have an internet. This was our information source, along with, you know, the older generations giving us information word of mouth. But I was thinking about these these magazines and, you know, anyone my age or older. Th these these were such an important part of the hobby and Beckett was such an important part of the hobby experience that I think about it now. And, man, I sometimes I can't believe Look, I know Beckett gets a lot of flack on their grading and how they're not relevant in grading. And that's one thing. But I cannot believe that Beckett is not the leader in price guides still. I mean, the fact that Card Ladder, Market Movers, and there's other ones, Card Hedge, there's all these software tools that, you know, if you ask anyone, you know, how do you look up prices now? They're pretty much everyone is, is going towards one of those. I think Card Ladder being the leader, that's probably why PSA bought them. But even like a market movers from the sports card investor, um, you know, I don't know. First of all, I, it's sad that Beckett got left behind in this and that they didn't they didn't come up with. I know they have their own price guide. No, I, no, no one I know uses it, <laughs> the online version or their magazines. Um, but the fact that they're not the leader still or even a, a major player is, is really sad to me. Um, you know, so I don't know if, if they have plans to try to buy market movers or something like it, but it, it's uh, it would just make sense if, if Beckett was a leader in sports card pricing and price guides, but they're not. So I don't know. It's, it's just kind of crazy to me to, to think that, that um, a company like card ladder that was started, I don't know, a year or two ago is really owns the, the price guide industry, you know, for sports cards. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Beckett tried to buy them, but I think they, they sure should have tried. But as a consolation prize, maybe it's time to buy one of these other ones. Or who knows? Maybe they have plans to unveil their new price tool, software, whatever that they've been working on for a year now. But I just I feel like Beckett, let's get back in the game here. OK, we need you. We need you back in there. The industry needs you. Get back in there. All right. Thanks for watching. I'll be back soon.